This is Consumed, the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. And this season, you get two for the price of one. I'm Jamie Lewis. And I'm Matt Cross. And this is my Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover. Okay, now, Matt, what qualifies you to take over this podcast? Well, I eat, drink, think, and now make. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, I was a guest on Consumed for season five. Yes, that's right. Go back and listen to the Matt Cross episode. I will put it in the show notes. Plus, I own the Broad Street Public House in San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody on the Central Coast because I've been a local musician for decades. I've probably played for at least half of your listeners' weddings. Yes, these are all very good reasons. I'm just now remembering why this was okay with me. So, listener, with the Tap Takeover, I asked Matt to choose every guest and to join me for a chat as we get to know these guests better. These are people I've met over the years and thought they'd be good for an interesting conversation. And you were not wrong, my friend. I was not wrong. Shall we get into it? Yes, let's do it. This is Consumed. Bladesmith Cameron Alarcio is so very cool. The moment he showed up with all his knives, Matt and I were complete putty in his hands. Cameron started making knives as his meticulous grandfather had before him. For his day job, Cameron teaches social studies and makers elective for 7th and 8th graders. And nights and weekends, he plays with knives, no joke. He explains the process he goes through to make a single knife, from sourcing the materials to sharpening the final product. Cameron also describes how he wound up on a reality TV show called Forged in Fire, how to look at a knife for flaws, and the best way to sharpen. Here's my conversation with Matt Cross and Cameron Alarcio. Cameron, so how do you say your last name? Alarcio. Alarcio. Yeah. It's so, I'm, so I'm holding this knife that you just said is made of, uh, the handle is koa. Yeah. Um, and it is so pretty. And you're saying this is a brand new one. This has never been used. Because yes. it has like a patina almost, like it's been around for a long right. time. Right, yeah. So I need to polish it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that came from the etching process. Okay, so I'm, I have a lot of questions. But first, yeah. <laughs> first I'll ask, so Matt, why did you ask? Cameron on. I asked because I knew his dad who worked with my wife. Hmm. And then you worked with Jeannie a little. Didn't you guys right. work together? Yeah. yeah. We overlapped for like L- a year. A yeah. little bit, yeah. At Judkins? Yeah. yeah. At middle school. He's a teacher. Okay. And um, I forget, you know, I'm always crafty into something different. Mm-hmm. And I like I was, I was going through and your page like just popped up and I was mm. like, oh, well, like, I'm like, oh, someone's making knives. I'm like, wait, I know that guy. You know, and so it was like, mm. wow, like that was something that always fascinated me. I'm like, wow, forging your own knives is pretty badass. And it like, is so badass. And as, as like a, you know, as a cook too, like wanting good knives and knowing mm-hmm. other chefs. And I was like, wow, I got to see if there's a way I can, you know, help this guy, you know, but it doesn't need any help. They're so practically sold before he finishes making them. I but, but, uh, I just, I was just got fascinated with the process. And then he was on, Forged in Fire, a reality show about, uh, it's a competition. What? Yeah. And I'll, I'll let him tell that story. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> what do you teach? Uh, so right now I teach uh, three different classes. I teach a maker's elective to seventh graders, hmm. and I also teach it to eighth graders. And I have three sections of social studies as well. Okay. But that's going to change next year, actually. I just got word of that. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to be doing all makers next year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That so cool. So you pumped? Gonna, I'm really pumped, yeah. yeah. So I'm actually, by the time this podcast comes out, I should be able to tell everybody. Yeah. But I just <laughs> found out yesterday that um, I got accepted to the Nipomo High School. They have a production or I'm sorry, it's product innovation and design class. And the teacher has been teaching it for like a long time, but he's retiring and they want somebody who already kind of knows what they're doing to go in there. So I could potentially, all of my students at Mesa go to Napomo. Hmm. So I could potentially start a program in seventh grade and finish it in 12th grade. Oh, wow. And oh. It, it like the vertical alignment for all the teacher nerds out there is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's crazy. And the fact yeah. that there's a maker's, uh, um, what do you call it? Elective, right? Because right, it's an elective, yeah, right? Yeah. I didn't know that was happening and it's so awesome. It's kind of like a modern shop class. Yes. Yeah. We've got like 3D printers, laser engravers, and it's really You fun. do a little bit of everything, like woodworking yeah. and metal and, mm-hmm. okay, cool. So you're the right person, obviously, for that class, to teach that class. <laughs> yeah, right? I think so. Instead of pulling some, hope, some PE so. teacher and going, come on, do you, did you remember seventh grade woodshop? Like, you got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's what it seems like they did with all our classes. I'm like, why are you teaching math? Aren't you the football coach? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, what? So 
Homework what, it is. He's like, yeah, let's open the book. What does it say? Dear homework. I'm like, you don't, you know less than I do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, so did you start out? So you, you did social studies. Is that how you came in? Or did you come in as like, here's what I could do. I offer this. Oh no, I came in as social studies. And then the maker's positions kind of fell into my lap. The teacher who was doing it at my middle school um, was also a science teacher. And um, he wanted to focus more on science. And I had been teaching, I think it was my third, I was in my third year maybe at the time. And uh, they offered it to me and I said, heck yeah, I want to do that. Totally. And it, it ended up working out perfectly because they gave me an extra section of it um, right before COVID started hmm. or the distance learning year. Ooh, so that, that's tough. It was very interesting. That's to, the class you can't do over Exactly. Zoom. It's yeah. a hands-on class that I was trying to teach remotely. So we did a lot of drawing and technical oh, drawing yeah. and perspective and that kind of stuff. You're doing your best. Oh, my yeah. gosh, teachers. So how did you get into knife making? Yeah, so um, I got into knife making a few ways. Um, first of all, I've always been a huge nerd uh, when it comes to, like, watching, um, like, fantasy, science fiction, mm. and, like, anime, like, mm-hmm. cartoon anime. <laughs> And so I've been watching, like, samurai <laughs> stuff since I was very young, very into Star Wars and lightsabers and all of that. I'm not laughing at you, by the way. I'm laughing at you laughing, laughing yeah, at I you. <laughs> You're like, do I, I say this? It's fine. I think it's amazing. I can relate yeah. much more to you than someone that said, hey, I love watching sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then um, my grandfather um, was actually from the Philippines, and he was very meticulous about his knives. He loved cooking and being over at their house as a kid – He'd always be sharpening his knives, and they were, like, paper-thin, ridiculously Mm. sharp. And um, when he passed away, I actually inherited his collection because he knew I was into him. And uh, in that collection, there were a few knives that I didn't know at the time, but he'd made himself in the Mm. Philippines. And I was like, I can do that. And Mm. so it took me a long time to get to it, but um, once I got the opportunity, um, I went for it. Wow, who looks at a knife and says, I could do that? <laughs> not not yeah. me, my goodness. Have you always been creative like that, though? You can make something before you'd buy it, that kind of um, thing? For some things, yes. For yeah. some things, definitely. Your, da- your dad's pretty handy, too. He is the handiest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's building yeah. us a pantry right now. Yeah, he built, he built our hearth in our the main yeah. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I know that hearth. And our desk cabinets, too. Mm-hmm. Good old dad. Yes. Yeah, yeah shout Forget, out to Ed. Yeah, I think I... Think I Played music for maybe was it your wedding? Yeah, it was, was our wedding. <laughs> was a, it was great. That was a, that was a trade. Yeah, oh, play music for a wedding. You make. Yeah. We're all about the trades. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying before we started yeah. recording that you you are trading a knife for. It sounds like I feel funny saying it because it sounds like knives and dogs shouldn't go together. <laughs> but you're trading a knife for a dog with somebody. Right. Right. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. So I'm making he the guy who breeds the dogs. I'm making he and his son matching boning knives Mm -hmm. with um, differing types of wood because they've got a house in Hawaii and a house in Arizona. So I'm making one with Arizona ironwood and one with Hawaiian koa. Oh, my gosh. So beautiful. So tell me about why. So when you look at one of these knives, there's almost like um, like an oil kind of pattern on the blade itself. Why does that happen? So that knife um, is made of multiple types of steel. Um, and the composition of the steels is similar, but one of them has a much higher nickel content. Mm-hmm. That's where you see that silver, and one of them has a little bit higher of a carbon content. And so when you dip the knives in acid, a specific type of acid, um, it will eat away more at the knife with the higher carbon, and it won't eat away at the nickel. So you're seeing this pattern emerge based on the, the acid eating away at those yeah. different layers. It's fascinating. And these knives feel, well, actually, let me have this. This is the boning knife, right? Yeah. They feel so heavy. So, like, in a, the best possible way. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was yeah, no, say, no, I hope not too heavy. <laughs> no, no, no. There's, like, Durable. they feel, feel like real. Like yeah. A lifelong knife. Right. Exactly. Not the thing that we registered for, which was, like, plastic. Right. Janky blade. Beautiful. Totally beautiful. Well, so Thank where you. are you sourcing your wood from, if you're willing to share? Yeah. Excellent question. Um... I am pretty fortunate. I have an uncle who lives on the Big Island in Hawaii who is like a master woodworker. You should see the furniture that he makes. It's phenomenal. Um, But he has a bunch of cutoffs from his furniture that's too small to do anything with, um, but it's perfect for knife handles. 
So he'll send me these cutoffs that would normally not be used for anything, and I'm able to turn them into these amazing, well, I think they're amazing, yeah. uh, they are. knife handles. They are. How do you shape them? Um, so a combination of a knife maker's grinder. It's like a belt grinder, but it okay. has a 72-inch belt on it. Okay. And files and sandpaper. There you go. Yeah, I wow. got to finish with the sandpaper. Oh, yeah. Where is where do you make these? Is it like in your garage or do you have a studio somewhere? So when I first started, I was making them on my tiny little patio on my apartment that I lived in in San Diego. Uh, but <laughs> the neighbors then, love that. Yeah, I'm sure they love that. Uh, didn't know what I was doing. Had a forge made out of a little soup can. Barely got my steel hot, but it got me going. Um, but once I moved back to the Central Coast, um, I was in my parents' garage, and I think my dad wanted his shop back, so mm. he's like, all right, we're going to build you a shop in the backyard. That's it's pretty rad. Yeah. On his dad's property. Like, it's yeah. so cute. Your dad is a big supporter. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where you're making them now. Uh-huh. Yep. How far away do you live from your shop? So I live about seven minutes away okay. from my okay. shop. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. Tell me about, well, you have more. Can I see more of these? Yeah, They're definitely. so beautiful. And you, did you do the knife roll as well? So this knife roll was actually made by um, a local guy. Actually, he moved to yeah, the Bay. Jonathan. Yep. Jaw Leatherworks. Yep. And uh, these are so pretty. They yeah. wear so beautifully. Oh, yeah. And he gave it to me with the intention of trading a knife. Oh. And if you're out there listening... I still remember, you need to tell me what kind of knife you want. (laughs) (laughs) Because I keep hitting him up and uh, haven't heard from him. Why is this one purple? So that is maple wood that has been dyed and stabilized. I did that myself. Oh, my gosh. So it's a process where you're basically putting the piece of wood into a vacuum chamber full of resin. Uh And you pull all the air out of the wood. And then you release vacuum. And the resin sucks into the pores of the wood. And so it makes it almost a synthetic material, so it's much more um, durable in the kitchen. Yes. Oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's a carbon blade. That's one of my favorite knives, and that's one that my dad and I made (laughs) together. He's been helping me out a lot with knives. i got to change my business name to Alarcio Family Knives. (laughs) uh, Yeah, Alarcio and Father. Yeah, there you go. Not Alarcio and Son. (laughs) There you go. Talk about a a retired guy that needs a lot to do. Yeah, He's got energy. He hasn't aged in the last 25 years. He's like, if I, I hope to someday be as fit as he is. Like, <laughs> he like he can take his shirt off and it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins. Like he's just he's ripped. Filipino Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he is. Oh, like, totally. he's, he's like, oh, let me get that for you. You're like, what? The, how old are you, bro? Yeah. <laughs> oh my like, I'm like, gosh. are you 43 or you know, he's <laughs> what? Like, a catch your dad is. Oh my gosh, oh, he's, he's yeah, he's an impressive guy. That's amazing. How much are these? If somebody and where could somebody buy them? Uh, so I've got a website. Everything's sold out on my website at the moment. Um, but I do a lot of my sales on social media. Hmm. People coming across my page and saying, you know, how much is this? Can I get one? And usually my answer is, how long can you wait before I get to it? Because yeah. I've, I've got uh, quite a backlog now that I'm working through. Hmm. Well, that, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, pretty much by commission and you just, right. you, that's rad. To know that the time and effort you're putting into it, it's already paying you back. Yeah. You know. And so, I mean, usually I let people know it's going to be a long time but the knife is going to last you your entire life and you yeah. won't need to buy another one oh, there's like heirloom quality pieces and, uh, what I'm tell going for. Uh, listeners what your uh, Instagram is oh yeah at uh, Cameron Alarcio Knives mm-hmm. and then my website is just alarcioknives.com you need to definitely check it out because I know we're talking about them, but as you're, as you're listening, you can't it's, see them. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know. Is that Damascus? That, that one yeah, right actually, all three of those, including this one. Damascus, what? Explain that process so to, that to Jamie. What I, that's what I was talking to you about, about the different types yes. of steel. Yeah, that's okay. right. So, another word for it is Damascus or okay. pattern. Because you keep steel. folding it, right? Keep folding it, right. folding it. And that's how you get those different patterns yeah. and layers. Mm. That one's actually two different types together. I had one going vertical there and the other going horizontal. So if you flip it over on the other side, you can see where those two pieces come together, where the different pattern is. Is this what style knife is this? Is this kind of a chopping knife? So that was an experimental knife. Um, It's got a single bevel on it, which is like a traditional Japanese style. Yeah, it Uh looks like a Japanese. Mm -hmm. And so it's got a concave bevel on one side. And then on the other mm-hmm. side, there's a chisel grind. So it's for a right-handed user only because it would 
put your food on the wrong direction yeah. if you're chopping left hand. That's interesting. Because, okay, and it'd be good for potatoes, right? Japanese oh, yeah. knives are always great for potatoes. Yeah. Because they slide right yes. off. I eat a lot of potatoes and I chop them all with that <laughs> knife. <laughs> I've learned that after ch- cutting that one off. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Matt, <laughs> gotta, can I see that wound? Yeah. You can, Look at this. Really, it's, it, I mean, it grew back in. I, yeah, I remember that. But, I mean, I've got... Is that when you were whittling things? Yeah, I, I, I was deciding... I was carving with a, a 110 buck knife. Ah, which is not. It. It's not made for little wood. And I'm like, carving this tiki thing, and I'm like, yeah. oh, and just popped and just caught me under the oh. nail and just... Oh. And I stuck my finger in my mouth. Oh. And I was like, and I, you literally shook it with your tongue, and I was like, oh. Oh, there's nothing there. <laughs> not. So much blood. I'm like, I'm like, I think, that, is that the bone? Okay. I'm just, I was like, oh, no. hey, uh, Jeannie, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I need to go to the hospital. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she's like, what am I? And she's like bleeding through. I'm like, it's just, she's like, you, what? I'm like, calm down, everybody. Be calm. I'm not in pain. It's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> we need to go. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So now I wear a leather glove, a chainmail right. glove. I, yeah. I, I use smaller wood carving knives. Yeah. But, you know, much better. Mm-hmm. I want to take a minute to shout out to a couple of good friends of this podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, cargo storage containers, and refrigerated shipping containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods, for private collections, and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a mid-state container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So I want, I want you to tell us about your, your infamous TV show. Oh my gosh, as, yes. as well as, after that, I, I, uh, I want to know about sharpening, because I need to learn how yeah, to sharpen knives. Definitely. I need to come study under you and learn how to sharpen chisels and knives, because... Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than doing woodworking with dull knives, and it's so discouraging. And you see somebody online, and they're like, yeah. just sliding. Like, so. It just looks so nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> All right, so tell me about this show. Okay, yeah. So the show is called Forged in Fire. Um, what they've done is they've taken like the cooking show model, yeah. um, like chopped almost. Reality. Where yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you start with contestants, and they give you a challenge, and then um, you have to complete the challenge, and whoever doesn't do it well gets you know voted off the show or whatever so I was actually at school one day on my prep period and I got an email from I don't even remember what it was it was their marketing company and it was somebody reaching out hey I came across your Instagram profile I see that you make awesome knives would you be interested in being on the show I was like so they came to you yeah they they found me somehow and um I said, yeah, what do, I, what do I need to do? And they said, just fill out this application um, and we'll get the ball rolling. So it took a while um, because they obviously film it in different seasons. So they were just finishing up one season and they were trying to line up all their episodes for the next season. So it took a while to get it scheduled. Um, but it was, uh, it was, I think it, we filmed in... July 2019, if I Oh, so it's already say. aired. Oh, yeah, it okay, aired, okay, yeah. Okay. It aired December 2020, maybe? Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Yeah. We watched yeah. that at the pub. Yeah, nice. <laughs> How did it go? 
Um, <laughs> it was an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, Everybody I've ever asked about a reality show experience, cooking, whatever, they yeah. all say that same thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a super pot. People don't walk away being like, awesome. I would. Well, because the pressure of it. I mean, that's what, that's it what was, I noticed. It was the, the most stressful thing I've ever done. Yeah. Like, by far. It's just. And I never felt really like I was competing against the other guys there. Mm. We all felt that we were just competing against the clock. Yeah. Um, and without getting into too much of the gritty details, we had a pretty difficult challenge. We had to take a barbecue and find pieces on the barbecue that would have made good steel for knives. Mm. And two of the four guys that were there ended up picking a steel that was soft and wouldn't, wouldn't harden into a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them had like 20 minutes to go, and he was just standing around realizing that his knife wasn't going to be sharpened, and he looked like lost. Ugh. I was like, dude, what's going on? And he's like, I used the wrong steel. Like, my knife's not going to get hard. I was like, oh, shit. Like, what are we going to do? And he's like, I have no idea. Because the threat is that he will then be exposed on national television. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is after I had to start over halfway through because the knife that I was working on split in half. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm struggling hard. And we're trying to find a way to make his knife work. So I was like, here, take this, take this hardenable steel and we're, we'll just weld it on to the edge of your knife. Um, and then you can shape it and you'll have a hard edge, but a soft back, which is actually how the Japanese do it, but without MIG welders. <laughs> hmm. um, anyway, uh, he ends up doing that and I somehow pounded out the ugliest turd looking knife <laughs> you've ever seen. It's, it was one of those things where like I'd watch the show, like the first season of the show, and I'd watch guys on there like... <sighs> That's terrible. Like, how did they make that on that show? They must not know anything about making that. And then I'm on there, and I barely finished this. I mean, calling it a knife would have been the... No, it wasn't a knife. It was was bad. It was bad. Um, But because uh, one of the guys used a steel that couldn't turn into a knife, he he got the boot, and I moved on on a technicality. So well, I'm glad it didn't end there. With yeah, you just being know, like, right? and this is representative of all of my yeah, work. You yeah, know, you got another chance. So in the second round, um, I had a lot of work to do. I had to grind out all of these cracks that were all throughout the the, the turd that I'd turned in. I was doing my best to polish this turd the entire second round. <laughs> the word turd. I know. I don't know why. No, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> however, you say, I will laugh every single time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used that word so much as right now. (laughs) It's good. It's a good word. I like it. (laughs) So um, I I was able to finish it, um, but I needed five more minutes to just like polish off some of the parts of the knife. And then when it got to testing, it tested well. It didn't break, but the other two guys just had more time to finish. So theirs were a much more complete project, and I I got kicked off on the after the second round. Man, but it was a. it was it was a fun experience overall. I don't know if I'd do it again. Did you learn? What did you learn? Um, I learned. I learned. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, yeah. I learned reality, reality TV, TV is sucks. not even close to real. God, it was so weird how they would just like do take after take after take until they got like the right look on the judge's face, and I'm oh, like, all right, what are we doing here? What are we doing here, guys? That's flash. Uh, but anyway, um, I learned that. I need to slow down in my work all the time. I, mm. I have not rushed anything since being on that show. I've always mm. like taken extra time like, hey, I'm not on the clock right now. I can take as long as I need to to make it right. Well, that's what I noticed about the show when I, when I watched it. It was like, in what situation is like, are, are you like, you need to make a knife in three hours? You know, no, it's like, not that, even MacGyver. No, nobody, that. that's yeah. not fine quality. Like, you don't go, yeah. this is great furniture maker because he makes your furniture in an yeah. hour and a half. <laughs> he, just, he just cranks it out. He doesn't check the details. He just gets it out there as good as he can. So fast. It's amazing. We just love it. We paid extra money for it. You know, it's like, you want the quality, take your time, yeah. do it well. I mean, that's every quality craftsman that throughout right. history, I think, is, yeah. you know, that, like if they take a long time to do it and perfect it. Making you know? a knife really fast. That's a very, that's an odd premise it was, it was so interesting though like when we first when they first got all the contestants there together they're like all right we're, we're gonna be honest with you guys we're not here to showcase your skill as craftsmen no. mm-hmm. we are here 
to What's sell ads yeah. and we are, and we are here to entertain the audience. And it was nice that they were really upfront with us about it. And they said, you know, don't try to make your best knife ever. Mm. You just need to make something that is going to pass all of the tests. Mm. So it was interesting from that perspective, but yeah, yeah, definitely have not made a knife in three hours since then. <laughs> I really yeah. appreciate yeah. actually that lesson that you learned. It, may, it reminds me of just about anything yeah. we do. Yeah. If we don't have time to do it slowly and well, then why are we doing yeah, it? Yeah, totally. Or you lose a fingertip. Yeah, or, or you, you lose a fingertip. Totally. Will you walk me through, please, the process of making one of these? I actually, yeah. oh, I didn't realize you have a serrated knife here. I need one. Yeah, this is my bread knife. Is it now my bread knife? <laughs> As I draw it closer yeah. to myself. But maybe tell me tell me the process from start to finish. Right. Um, so there are kind of two schools of thought when it comes to knife making. There are the traditionalists who say you have to forge it from a block of steel mm. and you have to forge it as close as you can to shape and do as little machine work as possible or else it's not a knife. Mm. And then there's the other school where it's stock removal, where you're taking a block and you're grinding away everything that doesn't look like a knife um and i do both of it um depending on what the situation calls for i prefer to forge my knives um but my stainless is a real pain in the ass to forge so i do stock removal on all of my stainless knives so when i'm looking at these two so i have one where the line the blade goes all the way through the handle right and then i have one where it i can't see it anyway so is that what we're talking about when we say forged not quite. So okay. those those are two different handle styles. One is a, the the knife portion of the handle is called the tang. Okay. And so the one where you can see this. the metal going all the way to the back, that's called a full tang. Full tang. Okay. Yeah. And then where you can't see the handle where it's underneath the wood, that's called a hidden tang. Okay. And as long as they're done right, both of them have the same strength. You're not losing any strength with a hidden tang as long as the maker's done it right. I'm sorry, but where's the Wu Tang? Ah, <laughs> nice. Can't help it. Sorry. Okay. I was looking for a joke. In I know. No, no. <laughs> I tang. Like, wow. Where's yeah. the Tang? I didn't even yeah. see that. Okay, so that's interesting when you talk about the like removing everything that doesn't look like a knife. It's yeah. like Michelangelo with the marble, right? right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then what? After you've decided. So um, after you've either forged it to shape or ground it to shape, you have to, it's not a knife until it's been heat treated mm-hmm. um, because that really is what changes it from a knife looking piece of metal into something that's actually functional. Yep. Um, so that is a metallurgical process where you're heating it up to certain temperatures to get the best out of that type of steel mm-hmm. or the best qualities out of that type of steel. And usually, or what people, associate this with is heating a knife up, dipping it into oil or mm-hmm. water, something to cool it down. Um, don't dip your knives in water for all of you beginner forgers out there. It'll, no? it'll break it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah? Gosh. Yeah. I made, I made that mistake once and will not do it again. Mm. So it goes in oil. It, it depends on the type of steel, unless you are doing a very traditional Japanese type, type of steel. You're mostly quenching in oil or between two aluminum plates, which actually draw out the heat very quickly. Hmm. So after you have hardened it and tempered it back down to a manageable hardness, because after you after you first quench it, it's ridiculously hard hmm. and very brittle. Like if you drop it at that point, probably going to crack. Oh, well. Yeah, which I've wow. done as well. And I don't think about breaking best. knives. Yeah. Ah, I've dropped a lot mm-hmm. of knives. Um, yeah. I've never seen one break. Well, okay, so good knives. Yeah, yeah right. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So after that, um, then <clears throat> I would grind in the bevels and make it as finished as possible. At that point, mm-hmm. if it is a pattern welded blade like Damascus, then I will hand sand it to a really high polish, usually a thousand grit. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice and shiny. And then that's <sighs> when I'll actually put it into the. Uh, the acid to bring out the pattern. Yep. And once the, once the metal part of the knife is completely done, then I'll start working on the handle. I'll mm-hmm. attach it, whether it's a hidden tang or full tang. And that really is one of the lengthiest processes of all of it because really? um, once it's been shaped, which doesn't take as long, you have to seal it or you have to finish it. Mm-hmm. And even though I use stabilized woods or synthetic materials, um, you still have to finish it with a wax or an oil, and depending on how long it takes to dry, I'm waiting sometimes a week or more to mm. just 
finish that so that it's uh, really nice and durable for the kitchen. Mm. Do you own any store-bought knives? It's all your stuff, right? Not anymore, yeah. That's I do not so own cool. any anymore. That is such a cool yeah. um, and very unusual skill, really. I know there are a few people who make knives here on the Central Coast, but I don't think I don't think any of them do quite so much of the um, the what's it, Damascus. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few. Um, Don Carlos Andrade yes. in Los Osos is, and I say this one hundred percent accurately, one of the greatest kitchen knife makers in the world. I know him. Yeah, and he is one of the kindest people I've ever met. And I didn't know, but I don't know knives, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that, and that makes me respect him yeah. so much. He is... Gentle giant. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he is very old school. He forges his knives with some of the best precision I've ever seen. Mm. Like, he can forge his knives down to almost the exact thickness they're going to be before grinding them, because he didn't get a knife maker's grinder until very late in his career as a knife maker he'd been using other like hand tools to mm-hmm. finish them so he needed to do as much of the work at the forge as possible and yeah his work is phenomenal that is so cool to hear as i speak one of my sponsors james Oniveros, is in new york city pouring at the wine and spirits top 100 wineries event and why because Native Nine Wine has been named one of the top 100 wineries in the world, along with a couple other consumed alums, Scar of the Sea, Aubon Clement, and Tally Vineyards. It's incredible to think how each of these people and their wineries started at the bottom and worked their way up. For James, wine, and particularly Pinot Noir, has been a lifelong pursuit. You can learn all about James, the land he lives on and works, and his wines during a private tasting at the ranch in Santa Maria Valley. As the folks at Ranchos de Anavero say, this is not your average tasting experience. Plan to be out there for like two to three hours and bring your boots. For more information, visit ranchosdeanaveros.com. The Consumed Podcast is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a semi-monthly lifestyle publication that highlights what makes San Luis Obispo so special. I write the food column for Slow Life, and we've sort of changed up the format in recent months, and I really like where it's headed. I've been featuring just one local food-related business and really drilling down to discover what makes it tick. For the April 2022 issue, I interviewed Fabian Tefera about her Ethiopian takeout restaurant, Ebony Slow. Yep, you may recognize Fabian's name because she was on the first season of this podcast in 2019. If you want to know more about Ebony Slow and Ethiopian food here on the Central Coast, check out that issue of Slow Life Magazine or visit slowlifemagazine.com. On to sharpening. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who he, he got like a, a like a grinder wheel. He's like, oh my gosh, it goes oh, so well. And I'm yeah. like, no, I think if they heat it up that much, you mess with, uh, I, I don't know the technical, but I don't think it's a good thing. Is it like a, one of those wet ones? No, I it's, have it's a, a wet I think one. Just a really fast yeah. grinder in your garage. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, because no, no. it, it's super hot. Like yeah. I, I've seen the blade like turn yellow. You know? yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, because oh, then it just loses You're its- You're losing your temper. Though. Yeah, it loses the temper. That's the yeah. term I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. Because I was like, term. I'm not, I'm not going to do that to my knives. I'm going to figure something else out. Yeah. What is the best way to sharpen your own knives at home? Whetstone? Yeah, whetstones. Um, there's a pretty steep learning curve on it, but you said you have. I have the thing like a Tormek, it, where it has the three the three wheels, and you put water in the bottom, and you. Here, I'm hmm. gonna go get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, what that yeah. Is. yeah, I'd love to see it. So I've been, I'm I'm struggling. I'm yeah. not good at it, and I've got now. I just ordered some some. I have two whetstones. I don't even know. Like, they're so old. I don't even know what grids mm-hmm. they are. Uh, so I just ordered a four hundred four hundred. 800, 1,000, and a 4,000. That should be all you need. Yeah, that's what I figured. I'm yeah. like, for more than the 4,000, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to, obviously, I don't need it that sharp because I don't need right. to lose any more fingers. Um, uh, is it, but it's, it's really crucial getting the, the angle correct. Yes. Yeah. And there are, there are things out there that can help you get that angle initially. There's like little wedges uh-huh. you can put on. I got one with it yes. to learn. Yes. So that, that'll help get your muscle memory. Uh-huh. But, practice just keep doing i mean it. i i've i finally feel comfortable on my wet stones after 
at least five years of trying to. Oh gosh! And that's just for my own knives. Yeah. Uh, there are master sharpeners out there who. Yeah. Like they, they're really good at what they. Yeah. Do. Well, I, I follow you know now you go you go on the Instagram rabbit hole you know and it's like oh, yeah. now everyone I follow is like woodworkers and you know right. and there's one guy who stopped doing woodworking and he's just passionate about sharpening. Oh. So I was like, I'm gonna follow everything yeah. you do because getting the like I said the chisels are the hard because a flat blade's one thing but the chisels are so hard to get done. Whoa, this is crazy. This is one of the well. So okay, it's dirty. I'm sorry, you guys, but this no, is my. I love this knife so much. Yeah. A global. That's a that's a patterned after a Japanese gyoto. Well, but it's not as good. Well, it's everything sticks to it, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of if I'm doing beets or potatoes yeah. or whatever. But this knife is so good, um, and so. But I was not getting as sharp of a blade on it, and my father-in-law gave me this. So it's like this. It has three little wheels. And you put water in the bottom of this, mm-hmm. and then you run it, you know, seven times through each, a coarse, a mid, and a fine. And that thing gets so sharp. But I don't know anything about... I'd be interested what the angles are on this. Like, because each of them are at a specific angle. What's the name of this company? Sharp Plus 3 or something? M- Mino Sharp plus three ceramic water sharpener. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this. And this it is feels cool. kind of janky, like it's plastic, yeah. whatever, but this thing... So you just pull yeah. it through? Yeah, seven times. And so the fact that it has to drag through water, I don't know what that it's means. Wet it's still wet stone, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It, it carries away the fragments and stuff that you're pulling uh-huh. off the blade, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and doesn't make it super hot, I guess. Is yeah, exactly. It. You're not overheating it. But anyway, I love that product that's i don't know i would say it's like 70 bucks and it's been worth it yeah that's super cool it's one of those things they try and make a million different cheat ways to sharpen knives totally but really the only way to do it is to sit sit down i mean there's definitely spend 70 bucks on something like no i mean stones are expensive oh are they you don't want to know what i just spent on sharpening stones what did you spend uh more than that (laughs) (laughs) one stone my wife may listen to this so (laughs) (laughs) no not that much more but i mean i got three reasonable yeah it's 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 an it's a it, thing yeah it is but, but they're gonna last you yeah, forever and that's one thing like i used Maybe to well i used to flash through like uh uh side projects like they used to change like on a six-month basis and genie would just get so frustrated I remember the because, sourdough phase well yeah that, well that was covid that was everybody yeah. had a yeah. sourdough yeah. phase yeah. in covid but like the the woodworking ones like kind of stuck and now i'm like mm-hmm. buying stuff for, for it and yep. and and Jeannie's uh, like, okay, I'm because at first I was like carving like little statues and stuff, and mm-hmm. she's all, mm, that's cute. Like, then she's like, oh, like cutting boards and charcuterie boards and spoons and cooking utensils. Like, oh, we can, like people want those things. practical oh. things. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh. And yeah. well, the first batch of spoons, I was so into the creative aspect of it. I went to a craft fair, and people were like, man, those are really cool looking. What do you use that for? Because the, the bowls were just like hacked out and like <laughs> couldn't do anything with them and, and they were like super thick I just spent no time I was like so into like well look at see this leaf and like I made it look like a branch and, and uh, everyone she's like yeah yeah like, look at you what are you gonna do with it I was like oh so then after that now I've been way more passionate about the other side of it like yep. the functionality of yes. it then also making it form follows function yes and then and then I just did a couple of them that were just super plain but like trying to make it as perfect as possible mm-hmm. and so now I'm going back and trying to combine the, the, the two things um, but like you said I mean there's such a learning in everything you do I'm sure you look back at your first cold knives and you're like oh my gosh I, don't. Wish I, could I was going to ask I was going to ask you about your first knife yeah that you sold because that's got to be a moment of faith you know yeah my first faith. knife that I sold was luckily to a family member okay so, so it was good. okay um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, some of those first knives that I sold, I was actually helped out quite a bit by Shannon Len, who owns the oh, Len yeah. Collective here. Yes. She let me put my knives in her store because my wife worked there at the time. That's a good fit. And it it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helped kind of get my name out there. Um, but some of those early ones were definitely did not have uh, the geometry that my knives have now. And mm-hmm. a good knife is all about geometry. It's, I mean, it can be dull and still cut if the geometry is correct. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't want it too dull, obviously, right, right. but <clears throat> if that geometry is good, then it'll still cut. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't even know what you mean. It sounds great, but what does that mean? So, um, at the apex of where the edge meets, or where, where your edge comes together there, take yes. a look there. Yes. And then look- It's hard to tell because there's right. stuck to look it. At the, look at the difference right here at the heel in these two knives. Oh, it's making a right. 
Yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah, so it's making right, and it's oh it's thicker gosh. where the edge comes together. You it's thicker be, where the edge comes together, yeah. that's right. You want to be really thin behind the edge to oh, help with food release. These are very... Di- it's pronounced once you point that out. Right. We're By the way, listener, we're looking down, basically like down the, the heel of the knife to where the blade oh, on yeah. the right and the left... Oh, now I feel all self-conscious uh, that's, about That's called the, the choil, that area. Don't need to just throw this one away now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Oh, my goodness. It's so cool. Yeah, it's, so it's super a lot cool. of fun. <laughs> I had other questions. Oh, well, let's talk about how you use them. I mean, what yeah. are the things that you're making? What do you cook at home? Does your wife cook? Uh, yeah, she cooks, too. Um, I also... I didn't get into cooking until I started making kitchen knives. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I first started getting in, when I first got into knives, I was kind of like you with the woodworking. I was like, I want to make some shit that looks cool. <laughs> and I was into the fantasy and yeah. I was like, is, but some those, crazy alien weapon or exactly, something. Yeah. But those don't technically need to work great. Right. A kitchen knife has to work great yes, right. or else it's just a pain to use. Yep. Um, so, I actually got into kitchen knives after I took an intro to bladesmithing course out in North Carolina. It was like a two-week-long class with a master bladesmith. Um, And I generally learned how to make buoy knives and hunters there, Mm -hmm. not kitchen knives. But there was a guy who helped out with the class named Bob Brandle. And he gave me like a blank knife that he had forged. And he's like, take this home, finish it. It's a kitchen knife profile. And if you like it, you know make more um and at the time i really liked that kitchen knives looked simple mm-hmm. they don't have all these fancy grinds on them that yeah, it, yeah. It, it's just pure function mm-hmm. um but it took me a long time to get to the point where they are pure function mm-hmm. i i for a long time i was still trying to throw in you know aesthetically pleasing touches that maybe didn't work that great <laughs> but um I, i'm finally to the point now where i can combine those artistic elements in with a completely functional knife. Mm. And I'm actually starting to kind of go back towards um, fantasy knives in some respect. Um, A lot of because of uh, one that I made last year, maybe a year and a half ago. I, it was a COVID project and I'd been, sure, sure. yeah, I'd been thinking about making this for a long time. I'm really into reading fantasy novels Mm -hmm. And my all-time favorite series is called The, Mal- <clears throat> the Malazan Book of the Fallen. Mm. It's a 10-book series by a guy named Steven Erickson, Canadian author. And one of the characters, this tragic hero, um, carries a spear around. And he is, like, the best spear wielder you've ever seen. Mm. So I made this Damascus spear um, that every element of design that went into it was tied into some aspect of the character in the novel. Oh, wow. Inclu- including the pattern that I created. Um, mm-hmm. The pattern looks like, almost like raindrops, but I made them bigger so they look like pools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just called it Pools of Sorrow, Damascus. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I posted the the spear on Reddit onto this forum where all the book nerds about the models on Book of the Fallen they are. They must have lost and their they, minds. They lost it. And somebody shared it with Steven Erickson. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And he reposted it on his Facebook page saying, like, this is pretty cool. Check this out. And that was, like, probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> when it comes to any of the things that I've done. Fanboy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I actually reached out to him on Facebook and I said, hey, I saw that you, you know, reposted my spear. I would love to make you something else from your novels. Like, Beautiful. I'd just love to give you one mm-hmm. um, for all the work you put into them and whatnot. And he said, I, that sounds awesome. Um, but you don't have to give it to me. I'll pay you for your work. Make whatever you want and surprise me with it. So for the past almost two years, I've been prototyping two different uh, fantasy knives that I'm... I think I'm rounding third on my on my design and I'm ready to make the the final drafts you could say and get them to him. So I'm really excited about Amazing. it. Have you read That's that? Cool. I know you no, like some I fantasy, do. right? I do, yeah. I'm just I just just toil on the edges of yeah, fantasy. Yeah, it's it's uh not for everybody. I'll say that. It's mm. it's fantasy series that kind of pl- takes off 
traditional fantasy tropes and goes the other direction with them. Love it. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So cool that like the validation of somebody seeing how yeah. much his work meant to you, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you get to kind of do the same for him is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm still kind of hung up. I've been thinking about this since you said it. I'm yeah. still hung up on form follows function. I I don't know that I totally believe that. Uh, if Jake were here, if my husband were here, he would just be rolling his eyes, I think. Because we disagree a lot on that. He's all about function. Uh-huh. And I love form. Like, I, I just think you wouldn't do Damascus on these if it were only about... Correct. But I suppose it is an, a, a later choice. You know, you make everything functional and then you decide to do the decorative. Yes. Stuff. Is but that kind Damascus, of what you're saying? But Damascus is also sharper. So that's that's an interesting that's that function. you said that. So there, that is up for debate. And oh. it, it depends because originally Damascus was originally created so that you could get better steel by, by hammering oh. out the impurities. Uh-huh. Um, it's much more complicated than that, but that's the basics. However, modern steels today um, are fantastic on their own, mm-hmm. especially the top-of-the-line kitchen cutlery. Um, however, if you have a Damascus knife and you have Damascus along the edge of your knife... Mm-hmm. Like this one. You've got two types of steels that are similar, but they're going to wear at a very slightly different rate. So that means, so if you were to look at the edge of your knife under a microscope, it's not smooth. Yeah. You'd see a bunch of teeny tiny little serrations there. Mm. And so because those two steels are wearing at a slightly different rate, those serrations are going to be a little bit more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Not, you won't be able to see it under your naked eye, but a Damascus knife, if everything's done right with the metallurgy, will cut for longer than a mono steel knife. And knife it'll have more steel. teeth. I mean, right? It'll yes. really dig in. Yes. That you knew something that See, I, I know, know some, some things. things. I, know, yeah. I know some things. Um, something else you said that's sticking with me is if a kitchen knife isn't super functional, you'll be super sad. And I like, for me, I think that's what's kept me from buying a non commercial knife is I'm afraid that I'll spend all this money on something that's beautiful and I'm supporting somebody, mm-hmm. but I'm terrified that within a year the handle's going to fall off or whatever. And I'll feel self-conscious about asking them to fix it or they live far away or whatever. That's a real, that's a real fear of mine, but I want in my heart, I want something that I'm going to give to my kids, you right. know? Um, and I'm sure lots of people feel that way, but I'm just, I'm voicing that because like, I look at these and of course I want them. And you seem like somebody who knows what they're doing. But I have been in the position before of wanting to buy one and, and looking at them and thinking, God, these are great. But I don't really know what to look for in terms of right. durability. Yeah. So if you're buying them from a, a custom knife from a maker, that knife should come with a lifetime guarantee. Oh, okay. I mean, if, if, if you buy a knife and you're using it in the kitchen and... It, like every it, day, it, all day. Yeah, and it breaks or something fails... One of my knives, I will fix or replace whatever that is. Okay. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, if you obviously are taking your kitchen knife out and practicing your knife throwing with it, <laughs> and that's a different story. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. My son on the other I was hand. like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I, do that. <laughs> yeah. I do have extra in court in my backyard. There you so go. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, um, yeah. But yes, I, that's something that the maker should let you know beforehand. Like, mm-hmm. and that's part of, you know, when I make a knife, I send out a little certificate with it that yeah. says that, like, if anything ever happens with this, I'll fix or replace it free of charge. And I think that that's a big part of buying something made by a person yes. that you can have that communication and back and forth. I with. would yeah. have direct access to yeah. the maker. Yeah. This is just absolutely beautiful. There's nothing worse than like when you go to like an Airbnb and they're like, oh, wait, we've got everything you need. And you go through and you're like, like it's yeah. not, but it's not a knife. <laughs> a potato yeah. really stabbing at it. I Come know. on, something. Yeah. So pretty. Thank you for bringing Cameron over. I love yeah. seeing this. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. Let me ask you um, if it was your last day on earth. We didn't talk too much about cooking. But if you were going to be like, you know what, honey, I've lived a good life. I'm assuming your wife's there. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you have as your final meal? What would you drink and who besides your wife would be there? That's an excellent question. It sounds like um, you have a big family. Yes, we're, yes. Or a tight family, anyway. Tight family, yeah. yeah. Um, 
not to put words in your mouth. No, you're like, you're actually, right. I wouldn't invite them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah let, me, let me think about it for a second. <laughs> in terms of what I would cook, um, it would be the thing I enjoy cooking most is spaghetti. That's really? not what I enjoy Aww. eating the most. Interesting. I, I do love eating spaghetti, but I enjoy cooking it the Why? most. Because I, I, li- I like the prep for it. Onions, Are you make the mushrooms. Su- making your own sauce. Make oh, I'm sorry. I thought sauce. you meant putting yeah. the noodles in the water. I'm like, oh, no. That's, <laughs> that's the only part I don't do, actually. <laughs> Sarah does that because I, I always make the noodles too sticky. I'm totally yeah. like, what is this? Making, no, the, no, so- no. making yeah, the sauce. Yeah, making the sauce. Sorry. Yeah, should have been more clear. I love that craft macaroni. <laughs> yeah. You just pop the top. Boiling the water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The like meditating. Making your own yes. sauce. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So making the sauce to go in spaghetti. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that. But maybe you're not cooking. Maybe you're just eating. Yeah, so maybe we're just eating uh, probably a ribeye. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's a good yeah. Best cut. Yeah, I mean, we were at Ember not oh, too long ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And actually, Brian has one of my early knives. And if you're out there listening, let me get it back and make it better. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. He's a good guy, yeah. He does garlic confit underneath. You, a mm. lot of the time, that ribeye. That's so good. And avocado chimichurri. It's, mm. it's Every, every time I go, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just going to get something light. I'm not going to, yeah. like, I'm not, I, I, we'll split something, yeah. or, you know, and I'm like, it comes down to, I'm like, I'll get the steak. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I thought we were going to share this. I'm like, yeah, we could share whatever you want. I'm getting the steak. <laughs> and there are very few places where I feel like it does not matter when I show up. It will always be extraordinary. Right. Every Agreed. time. Yeah. And that's one of those places. What are you going to drink with it? Uh, old fashioned, uh, old school. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I got into the old fashions when I was bartending at Eureka in in the oh, you were. downtown here. Oh, yeah. that's right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I worked at Eureka for a while, did some serving, and then finished up bartending there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. That was before I got into teaching. Yeah, Access or while to I was getting whiskeys. my credential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right on. And who's there? Uh, who's there? Uh, my family, which is me, Sarah, my daughter Everett. Uh, we'll have another one by then, too. Oh, Thank you. Uh, both my parents, Rebecca and Edmund, her parents, Joel and Ella. That's awesome. That's Beautiful. Probably, yeah. That's we, pretty cool. We mesh really well together. It's it's awesome. That's a, that's awesome. Oh, and my sister. She's in she's in Seattle, but she'd be there, too, somehow. <laughs> You're still What's her sis? name? Julianne. Oh, and Julianne. Yeah. yeah. She's Got the it. best. <laughs> so if you're interested, hit up uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. Alarcio yeah. Knives. And uh, be ready to wait, but you can get a great yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plan ahead, like Christmas yeah. 23 or 24, yeah, I'll, you know. I'll always have available knives around the holidays. That's awesome. For anybody, yeah. He's a good guest. That's right? awesome. Yeah. Thank you. No, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover with the Matt Cross. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to all these new wonderful people. It was my pleasure. Okay. Time for a beer? Time for a beer. Yay! Woo! Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. To hear more stories from the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California, to see guest photos, read their bios, maybe even get a recipe visit letsgetconsumed.com. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.